Praise God. Why don't you, if you do have your Bibles, look at Acts 3, verse 1. I'm going to read a little bit here, so um, you can follow along. Of course, it'll be up on the screen, but it's good to lay your eyes on the Word. Sometimes we go fast from Scripture to Scripture, but if you have your Bible, uh, it's good to lay your ha- eyes and, and, and find it in the Word. Acts 3, verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So we're going to read through this a little bit, skip some parts, but um, just cover some things leading into our emphasis this morning. Verse 2, And a certain man lame from his mother's room was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes upon him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging uh, alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? So Peter and John are coming to the temple. There's this crippled man. The man gets healed by the name of Jesus. So he's walking. Um, He gets up walking and leaping, praising God. So people see it and they come running in and crowding. And, um, you know, of course, they're amazed. And so then Peter starts preaching. So he preaches to the people and declares Jesus. In verse uh, Acts 4, verse 1, then we'll pick up. It won't take time just for the sake of time to read all that, all what he said, but you can read it um, when you get home. Verse uh, 1 says, Now as they spoke to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Verse 3, And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So then the um, religious leaders uh, arrested Peter and John. And um, verse 4, though, says, however, people heard the word and they believed, so the number of them grew to 5,000. So they, pre- they, they, they saw this man healed, people ran in, they preached to the people, they got arrested, people believed anyway. Acts 4, verse 5, the next verse, it says, And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem And when they had set them in the midst, they asked them, talking about Peter and John, so they're going to interrogate them, said, What power and by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all. 
and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So now they're being interrogated by the rulers, the religious leaders, and now they're preaching to them. Verse 13 then, Now when they, had saw, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that they now, from now on, speak to no man in this name. So they, they say, well, uh, it's clear that this man is healed, so we can't deny that, but let's try to intimidate them so that this doesn't spread any further. So then verse 18 it says, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people since they all, had glorif- they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man, who was, the, the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Verse 23, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Verse 23 in the King James Version says, And being let go, they went to their own company. They went to their own company. In the NIV, it says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. I especially just like the King James. It just says they went to their own company. So these guys are, Peter and John are going into their their community. They, in the name of Jesus, this man that's crippled, that's 40 years old, is able to walk. Then persecution comes on. They preach to people. People start getting saved. Then persecution comes. Uh, they, They arrest them. People still got saved anyway. They get taken. They get questioned. The people, uh, the religious leaders try to intimidate them, tell them, don't, don't you, don't preach in this name. Don't, don't, um, say anything along these lines. You just be quiet. And they release them. And after all these things have happened, then they go back to the people that they know that are with them, their company, their people, those that believe similar. That See, this is a pressure situation. They are threatening them, don't say anything more. And so they go to the people that they're close to, their fellow Christians, their, their local church body, and they go to them and share everything that happened. They're going there for strength, for comfort, for boldness. 
Let's look at Acts 4, verse 24, then the next verse. It says, so when they heard that, they raised, so they go back, share everything that happened to the people that they know. So when they heard that, the other people, the rest of their company, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth. So now they are praying with them. It is so important that we have our own company to go to. People that you know that when things start coming down that you can go to, be together with, that will believe with you, that, that are aligned with you, that love you, that have your back, that are not going to balk. I mean, these guys are out preaching Jesus. They're seeing, they, they saw a notable miracle, but now they're getting threatened. They're getting pressure. You don't need to go to people that are going to tell you to just back down off the message or, well, that doesn't really matter anyway, or, you know, well, I don't know. I mean, did he really get healed? Or just start questioning. You don't need, when you're in the pressures of life, when, when heavy things come, you don't need somebody that isn't aligned with what the Bible says. Because you need every bit of strength and you need your faith to be strong. You need to be uh, have people that are going to focus you on what the Word says, not say, well, I didn't really believe in that anyway, or, oh, it's getting tough, well, I'm out of here. You know, it's just this light, uh, you know, loose uh, relationship of just, you know, like a social club. That's not what you need in the pressure of life. That's the ch local church. I mean, so there's the worldwide church, right? I mean, the, the, the body of Christ. Well, you can't live in the whole world at once. You live in one place at once. You may travel to other places. And if you travel consistently to other places, then you need to have people you know in the different places. But generally, you're going to live in one area, and we need to have a place. That's why, and we're all here. We're just going to talk about how important that is to have a group of people that you can come together with under stress, under... Um, when there's heavy situations that believe and can strengthen and help you and encourage you, we need to have some place like that, not, not uh, some place we just show up and nobody knows us and we sit in the back and we leave and don't get to know anybody and you know, hope that the sermon just uh, you know, gives me some, something that I can just do a little better this week, but it's not really the, the Word of God. It's not the truth. Because how many of you know when the pressures of life really come, a lot of that stuff goes out the window? You know, stuff that it, it only... Uh, there's certain certain level of things. I mean, you know, if you're really busy, just in a natural sense, <clears throat> you might have your normal routine and things you like to do and keep up and whatever... If you get slammed in some areas, some of the stuff that's like nice to have, that gets dropped. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or you have a really busy day, and so there's things that you'd like to do, but sometimes, you, you know, you're going from thing to thing, and the dishes, they're going to be done later. Everybody's just putting them in the sink. You don't even have time to put them in the dishwasher. Maybe you put them in the dishwasher, but 
Uh, there are certain times you're just not going to clean up after everything because you've got to go to the next thing and then you'll catch up. Well, life, when stuff, real heavy stuff starts coming down, um, it kind of brings, it brings uh, the different parts of our life into clarity. What's important, what's not. If you've ever been under financial pressure, there's stuff that you realize, okay, this is really important. Okay, you need a place to live. You, you need to have the utilities on so you don't freeze, especially, you know, around this time. Uh, you need to have food. You need to have clothes and things that uh, your basic needs. But there's a lot of stuff then you realize, okay, that's really nice. Thank God for it. And not that God doesn't want you to have, have things that are nice. But you understand the difference between needs and wants. When you look at what's happening, uh, you know, Ukraine and stuff, that... that that's, that separates that real quick. You, know, you understand. You see people huddled all together. Just, they're, just, they're just surviving. Well, spiritually speaking, uh, we want to be with people that share our belief in the Word of God in all its truth. And, uh, you know, you, don't, you realize what is important or not when there's pressure, real pressure in life. You need the Word. You need the truth of God's Word. And then, uh, it's amazing what people argue about doctrinally. Christians fighting with Christians on certain things. Uh, when, you're, when you get under pressure, a lot of that's like, well, that, that's, you're just splitting hairs on this. What, it's like, you know, you with your budget. There are certain things that just don't become important. It's like you need food and need the shelter. Well, let's, let's center up on the doctrines that are true and the truth of God's word. You don't have the luxury of nitpicking over all this other stuff. It's not that it's not true, but even you want to make sure that you're together and have the ability to get together with people that share your uh, belief in the Word of God, you don't need people that are, are going to be aligned against fundamental things that are important um, under pressure in any time because that's going to take away from your faith. You're going to be around people that, what, don't believe in God's protection necessarily. Well, whatever, God, God, God's will be done. We just don't know. We pray, but it's kind of just like, Hail Mary, throw, it, throw the ball up there and hope something, somebody catches it. We hope God helps us, but we're just not sure. No, you want to know it's God's will for you to be protected. You want to know it's God's will for you to be well. You don't need. It's not, a, it's not an optional thing. When, when you're under pressure, uh, there's an, uh, a, a physical attack. You don't need to... Be, you're, you're already dealing with stuff, and you're believing you don't need people that are close to you believing that it might be God's will for you to have that. That's going to suck the life right out of you. If you're believing, if you have a financial pressure in your life, you don't need to be around people that think, well, you know, you're supposed to be poor. That, you know, maybe your business should fail because that might be the will of God to teach you something. You're already trying to, to push forward and believe God. You don't need to hear that. We need to hear God's will is for you to live. God's will is for you to be protected. God's will is for you to have everything you need. We need to have people that rally around and quote the word of God, believe the word of God, help us to have strength because when you are under in crisis and any time, see, we get lulled. And to think just, and we've had, in in this country, we we have a lot of just people in general 
we haven't had too much in the way of real crisis. So people just, they, they nitpick about all kinds of stuff. But, um, and so it, it ta- it's, a, it's an illusion that you think you can just go on and it doesn't really matter. May go to church, may not go to church. It doesn't really matter what church you go to and all that. Uh, no, it's very important and it just comes, it just comes into um, clarity, into focus when there is pressure. But it's not only for the pressure times. We want to be all the time aligned and, and around a company of believers that no matter what's going on, that we can be strong. And it may not be going on in your life, but you may be there for somebody else that's going through something. You know, and then if somebody else is going through something, you're there, and then if you are, you know that you can draw strength, that you're not going to hear, well, I don't know, I mean, maybe it's God's will for you to go down. I don't know, you know, and tell you how their relative uh, died and such and such, and that might just be your life. That's not what you need to hear. You need to hear the Word of God that he himself took your infirmities, bore your sicknesses, that he is the healer. You need to know that people are believing with you, standing with you, just being strong with you. And it's so important that we have a, a local company like that. The people that you can, I, I know, thank God for the internet. Thank God that we can um, watch services. But it's not the same as put, looking people in the eye and coming and being in the presence with them, talking with them, praying with them, that there's, there's something different about that. And we need to, we need to um, value and, and be thankful for that, make sure we are, um, just to take advantage of that. That's what we want to be. Verse 24 says, When they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord. Notice that. They raise their voice to God with one accord. Let's just read through this and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations raise and uh, rage and why did, excuse me, and the people plot vain things. The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Verse 29, now, Lord, look on their threats. Remember, the religious leaders are threatening them, telling them, don't say, don't speak the name of Jesus. You shut up. Stop. And they said to the religious leaders, you decide whether we should listen to you or God. But they are going before God said, verse 29, now, Lord, look on their threats. You know, saying, you know, look on what they're saying. You know what they're saying. And grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. See, they doubled down. They went and said, God, you see what they're saying. They were, they were together. They were in unity. And they said, Lord, you see what they're saying. Now, you help us. Stretch forth your hand that signs and wonders may be done. And that with all boldness we may speak. Because they realize they're getting pressured. They need boldness to speak. Verse 31, and when they had prayed, 
the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word with all boldness. You know, look at verse, what it says, verse 31. When they, were, they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Just a side thought. The place where they, they were assembled, notice the place where they were assembled, the place that they were in, it was shaken. Now, there are certain things that you can get. I mean, like I said, thank God for the internet. You can get the teaching of the word and, you know, and, and uh, feel connected that way. But like here, if there were a camera in there, I don't know what it would look like. I mean, it may be going like this, look like an earthquake. I don't know what the nature of the... Sh- it says the place was shaken. So probably very visible. But I can tell you there, there are... Um, when, when you experience certain things, you know, there's uh, meetings together and the anointing, like if this were... Uh, they're praying even before that... I'm sure they sense the presence of God. We don't have, you don't go by feelings, but I've been in plenty of places where you're praying and and you're with a local body and you can sense the presence of God in the anointing in that place. But you look at it on the camera. Now, I'm not saying you couldn't experience something. There is no distance in the spirit, but there is something about being together with people. It's different. And there are certain things that you look at the camera, and if you're not there, you don't understand what's really going on. Um, there are lots of videos. Um, like if you look back, well, pretty much everything's on video now, all kinds of services. But there are lots of videos that you can go la- back and look at certain meetings, like when Brother Hagen's speaking, and there's laughter, or there's the power of God. And people will mock that. I mean, they will say, this is, these people are crazy. They, they're just acting. You look at that on camera, and it looks like, yeah, it, if you don't understand anything that's going on, you say, oh, that's, what are they? They do look crazy. I mean, let's be honest. You look at it. If you don't understand those things, and you think how you, you're, you're not, you've not been around that type of environment, you think, if you're just thinking naturally, you're thinking, well, they're not falling down. They're just, it's all psychological suggestion and whatever. But if you've been in one of those meetings, and if you were there, and I've been, I've been in certain things, Shelly's been in certain things, I'm sure many of you all have been things, that the anointing in the presence of God can be so strong that you can hardly stand up. And that doesn't translate well over the camera. But in the room... Sure, can people get into the flesh and can they just do stuff and it's not... Of course they can. Sure. Are there people that just they don't know what to do and they just act? Yes. Always there'll be flesh like that. That doesn't do away with the real. And there is an anointing in the power of God when you get close to it, there's nothing you can do but fall over. You can try to resist it, and if you're like that, you probably won't sense it as much anyway. But there is a real, there is a power, there is something with being in the presence. So when you look at stuff, people say, ah, that, there's nothing to do that. Well, um, if you've never been, if they've never been in something like that, um, <clears throat> then they, they, they would be ignorant of it. 
You wouldn't, they wouldn't necessarily be able to understand, and you're just going by video. So my point is, here it says the, the, the place was shaken. I don't know what that looked like, but I, I, it would have been something probably to, to, to be there. But there's things like that. Where you're in the presence, and I mean, it's so thick, it, it does feel like you could cut it with the knife. The, the presence and the manifest presence of God is there because you're all there in one accord, and the corporate worship and the corporate heart toward God is there, and it is thick. And it's important to be together. It's important to be with, with those of like precious faith. Second Peter one one, I believe we'll come back to Acts, but I just want to jump down. Second Peter one one says that it says Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us, to those that have obtained like precious faith, those that are believing the same thing. Guys, regardless of what station in your life in, you need to have a you need to have. Uh, a, a, a company that you know is standing behind you when you're dealing with life. Whether you're in school, whether you're in work, you, everybody, um, you're going out into the world in different places, different um, facets of, of society. And when you go in, you may be the only one, the only Christian on that job, but you know, standing behind you and spiritually speaking, and, and somewhere you can go, that there's a group and body of believers that believe like you do. And if something goes down on the job or something goes down in school, you can come back and you can say, hey, this is what's going on. Will you agree with me? Will you believe with me? That makes you bolder. That makes you bolder in the workplace. That makes you bolder at school. It may be just you in the classroom and there's no other Christian there, but you know there's a whole body of believers that are standing behind you. And you, you know you're not the only one. You know that, that there are those that believe like you do and those that believe the Word of God and the Word of God is true and precious. Hebrews 10 verse 24 <clears throat> Now, before we go there, let's go um, to Psalm 133. It said in Acts uh, 4.24, they raised their voice to God with one accord. With one accord. They were on the same page. In Psalm 133, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For brethren to dwell together in unity, it is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, that beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the, the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Verse 1, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In unity of mind, of spirit. Uh, lack of strife, lack of division. But they came together in one accord, and then they said, they came together and they prayed to God together. To be unified, to be um, joined together with those of like precious faith, not that everything's perfect. 
You know, somebody said it, and you've all heard it. If you're looking for the perfect church, you're not going to find it. And if you thought you find it, when you showed up, it's not perfect anymore. None of us is perfect. None of us has it all together. We know that. We know we're not perfect. We don't know. I mean, hopefully we know we're not perfect. We know we don't have it all together. But somehow in the church world, not church world, in the world, there's been this thing like, well, you know, um, we can't can't go to church because, you know, they're all hypocrites. (laughs) People can be hypocrites. Now, what are you talking about when you say hypocrite? Are you saying somebody believes something and they don't act on it perfectly? In other words, they're human? Because that's the gospel. That you're not perfect. And in spite of that, Jesus came and bought and paid for your salvation. So in spite of the fact that you're not perfect and don't do everything completely right all the time, you still can have a relationship with God and you can still... Um, have fellowship with him be based on based on what Jesus did. That's the gospel. Now, if you're talking about somebody that meaningfully tells everybody one thing, like they believe it, and then doesn't do it, has no intention of doing it, just is basically a fake, well, that's something different. Does that exist? Yeah, but the majority of people, that if they're sincere, if they're true Christians... What people will call, well, you're just a hypocrite, is the fact that you don't live perfectly, not trying to mess up. I mean, if you go preach one thing and say you should never do such and such, but then you go right afterwards and you're doing it all the time on purpose, plan to, never thought about it, but you're going to, that's, okay, that's a different thing. And if you find that, that's, a, that's called a liar in any segment of society. Church, no church. Right? And, and... If you start, if somebody starts like a self-help thing and they get up and preach their program and what they do, they, you should do, like if it's a diet, you should do this and this is what I do. And then they tell, they get up and say, everybody, this is my program. This is what I do. This is what I subscribe to. And then they get done and then completely go out and eat all kinds of stuff that's not on the diet. In other words, they're telling you something that's good, but they have no intention of doing it. In other words, they're just doing it for money or something. That's one thing. Because you're saying, this is my idea, I'm telling you. It's a different thing when we hold up the Word of God. This is God's Word. This is not Jim's Word. It's not Shelley's Word. It's not your Word. It's the Word of God. And so we're called to believe the Word of God. We're called to preach and teach the Word of God, not our opinion. And so we do our best to preach the Word and base what we say on the Word because you can't take what I say to the bank. That's just my opinion. You want what God said. But if we're believing the Word of God and preaching the Word of God, the perfect Word of God, the standard... That's a high standard. That's what Jesus came so that we could be right with him. And we ought to do everything we can to live according to the word of God. And we can say we believe the word of God and we're, and we're striving to walk according to it. But if you fail, it doesn't change the word of God. And just because it, you don't completely walk it perfectly does not mean that 
you're a hypocrite, it means you are human walking to the best of your ability after God's word. And if you make a mistake, then you ought to act in line with God's word and ask forgiveness or bring it to God, go make it right with somebody and move on. But people will get hung up and say, well, I'm not, you know, that church isn't good enough. I'm not going to go because they don't what act perfectly. Now, if they're complete frauds, that's one thing. But it is something to, to say you believe the word of God and know you're not perfect. See, religion tries to make it like, well, you got to be perfect before God will accept you. And if you're not careful, Christianity will do the same thing. They make it so this is the, the standard. And so anybody that doesn't attain isn't going to go to heaven. That's not the gospel. That makes it all about what you do. And you got a bunch of people then typically that su- subscribe to some subset of requirements that they made up or that they feel good about. And they say, we do this, ignoring all these other things that they don't do. It's real convenient when you make the standard the things you're good at. That's what what the Pharisees did. They were like, well, we do this and this and this. Yeah, and Jesus said, and you don't do this, 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 and this. But in their minds, this is the standard. Oh, funny, all that stuff is what you feel like you're doing right. When actually Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. In other words, you look good, but actually you're not doing any of this. That's religion. Well, we subscribe to this. Never mind, you're completely judgmental and completely condemning and uncaring and whatever. No, that's, that's religion. But Christianity is saying we believe the Word of God. Our heart is to do the Word of God. And if you miss it, you repent of it, you get up, you forgive, you ask for forgiveness, and you go on because you have a Savior and your right, righteousness is based on your belief in what Jesus has done, not in your own. That doesn't mean that you go out and just do whatever. No, that would be false. You wouldn't just go and do whatever. But uh, you, you have a heart to serve God and you walk to the best of your ability about a standard that you didn't create, not your self-help program, not what you came up with. Because people will say, well, I can't tell somebody about Jesus. My life isn't perfect. Well, welcome to the club. You can tell somebody about Jesus and say, in spite of your life not being perfect, you can still walk with God. And hey, we have a group of people that even though their life isn't perfect, you can get together and you can walk with God and be sincere about it anyway. That's Christianity. And so we gather together. We can be in unity. That doesn't mean we're all perfect. or doesn't mean you, you, every, everybody agrees with everything like you just exactly. But it means we agree on the word and we agree that Jesus is Lord. And we can come together based on what his word says. And we can still get along. And we can still move forward. And we can still be encouraged then when something uh, is pressuring us or we have a challenge. We can believe according to the word of God. But we don't want to be cheated out of that because of some false standard of everybody being perfect and and thinking, well, I I mean, not quite ready to be around people or in our mind, the devil will tell you, well, yeah, but, you know, this person did that or this person did this and they don't look quite right. So that's not the church for me. How do you determine where the church is for you? You follow what God would be impressing on you in your heart, go there, but just know wherever that is, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have people that are imperfect, including leaders that are imperfect. And that's just the way it is. But that doesn't mean you can't hook up there. 
That doesn't mean you can't be part of it. Hebrews 10.24, it says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Verse 24, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. So in other words, not keeping away, but coming together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's read it in the Amplified. It says, let us, con- let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. <clears throat> And all the more faithfully as you say, see the day of Christ's return approaching. So it says, don't, don't forsake gathering together, come together. And so that we can be encouraged, we can encourage one another. And he said, as you see the day approaching, as, which means as we go on in time, it's getting closer and closer, that we do it even more consistently. That we're not talked out about of coming together, that we know we need a company. We need a group that we come together with. We know that uh, we believe the Word of God and we know that we need to be together. And as we come together, we know that there is encouragement. We know that there is help. We know that there is strength from other people. We worship God, but God works through people on the earth. And when you come together and gather together, yes, you, you carry, if you're a born-again Christian, you carry the presence of God with you wherever you go. And so do other born-again Christians. So when you come together with them, it's not just you alone just worshiping God. God in them, the Holy Spirit in them, can encourage you. Can, in, can strengthen you when you're feeling weak, even though you have the Spirit of God, even when, but you're feeling pressure in your soul, you're maybe feeling pressure in your body, but you come in, God is in other people, and the presence of the Holy Spirit is there to strengthen you, to encourage you, to help you, to get your eyes focused on where they need to be. You could come in, and just one word from somebody, just while you're greeting or right after the service or before the service can just be exactly what you need. They may not even know. You don't have to be hyper-spiritual about it. You don't need to think. I'm not talking about a word like you need to give them a word of wisdom. I'm saying they could just say a word. They could just say, hey, how you doing? And the way they say it, it's not just them saying it. Actually, there's the, the comfort and the presence and the peace of God that's coming. Somebody can give you a hug, and it's just, just exactly what you need. Now, that exists in the natural, but when you're talking about a body of believers, there is a supernatural element to it. There is, it's not just them. It's God can be comforting you through 
another person. Can you be comforted on your own? Do you need, you know, you and your relationship with God? Yes. But why limit it? God, the, the Bible says here, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. We want to encourage one another. If he told us, if he told us that's the case, then that's what we want to do. Why, why be like, well, yeah, but, you know, I don't need that. No, then that's a sure sign we do need it. And so if we know we need it, then, let, then we can press in and realize there is a purpose for me going to church, even we all should be serving. We all should be doing something that's, that's connected and helping. Because when you serve in any capacity, you're serving the whole group. But let's say it's your off Sunday. You don't have anything you're serving in. You're not on the list to serve in any given area. You know, you, it, it, the thought could be like, well, I'm just showing up. So in that case, then I, just, I could just watch or something. It is so important. Just you coming then into the service, that you bring a dynamic that's uniquely you, the presence of God in you, but through you, your personality, your experience, may be exactly what some other person needs that day. And thinking like, well, I don't need necessarily is, is thinking too small. We need to know that even if I don't need anything that day, somebody else may, and it gives purpose to you just showing up. It gives purpose to you just being you because, you know, people relate differently to different people. You know, somebody else may not be their cup of tea, but you match up exactly with them. And a, a little a sentence from you, you know, somebody visits the church and you go talk to them and your background and experience just completely gels with what they, they say. And you are on the same page and able to talk to them. Somebody in the, in the church, part of, somebody that comes all the time. They may not relate well with every, you know, we're all different. We all relate different. You know, we all love one another, but we all relate differently to different people. You coming, you may be able to, to say something, just you being you, and you, you say something that you, you dealt with one time, and because it's your experience, and it's because it's similar to theirs, just boom, you're on the same page and actually is able to help them. Not saying we have to go around just trying to be hyper spiritual. Just talking about you showing up and just being there and you being you can be exactly what somebody needs. Because God ordained it like that. God ordained that we're the body of Christ, that we're a local body of Christ, that we have a company that we come to, whether it's crisis, whether it's not, we, we come with, come together with that body of believers and we're way, way stronger for it. Us showing up, we're strong. We bring something. We bring the Spirit of God. We bring everything He's doing through us. And then we, we're coming to, hey, I'm here to bring something. Not just to get. Thank God that we get the Word. Thank God that we're able to, to, to worship God and, and praise and worship. But we're coming to say, hey, what, what am I able to, to give? And when everybody comes like that, when we come into a, a group, there is so much strength and so much boldness in that so much help when we all come together we're saying i'm coming with my people i'm coming with my company i'm coming to be stronger so when i go out there i'm strong to do what god has called me to do in the world i know it's not just me because it drains after this world will drain you anybody found that out it will drain you it will 
sap the strength from you. And it happens, can happen quickly in some times, but it just happens and you don't realize that, that we're being drained. And when we get around fellow believers and hear the word and are in the, pre- the corporate presence uh, uh, of God, the, the presence of God through corporate believers, which he said to not forsake the fellowship, it's a boost. It encourages us. We get spiritually fed by the word, but we get encouraged just by being around people. Just seeing a group of people that believes like you encourages you. You know you have some people you can go to. You know you have people that are surrounding you. You know people you can text or call. Amen. One more, let's close with this. Matthew 18, 19 says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, is he with us? The Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So he's always with us. But thank God, that's not the only thing the Bible teaches. It says when you have people together, that he's in the midst of them. There's something when we come together. Yes, you can pray on your own. You can have a dynamite prayer life on your own. But when you come together and you have multiple people, there's a different level that can happen because God is there in a, a corporate setting. Amen. His presence, he's able to do things. He's able to encourage you. And of course it says, if two of you agree, sometimes you need agreement on. So that's what they did. They were in one accord and they came together in in Acts 4. They came together and they agreed that this is what's going to happen. They prayed together in unison with one accord in unity. There is power in that. Amen.